morning, but then it's yesterday's news, isn't it? A little bit. But if you do it in the afternoon, then it kind of shows up as today's news and maybe it's more relevant, timely. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. So we're going to figure this out. But anyway, if you want to, if you want to be here for the news, like, and subscribe, don't forget to smash a like button. But in the meantime, hit the, it went away, hit the subscribe button too, because then you'll get an alert when I do the show and subscribing helps the channel grow and all of that stuff. But uh, yeah. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Andrew. Welcome. Oh, and by the way, you can support the show on Patreon. So few of you do this. Uh, Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Support me, support the show. This is what I do uh, is uh, is produce this show for you. And that's that's the way that I make money from it if I ever make any. So Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin is a place to go. Boy, I'll tell you, there's some interesting news uh, came out. And so I'm glad that I decided to do this one in the afternoon. You probably heard about it already if you've read anything in the news so far today. But Twitter has unveiled something that they're calling Super Follow. Super Follow. It is a paid service. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just coming out. So let me explain what this is. There was an analyst event today that happened uh, that, that Twitter held, and they revealed this is part of their paid subscription service. It's not the whole thing. Um, and they've actually had it out for some time. It's called Super Follow, like I said. And here's the quote. It will allow users to get exclusive content, deals, and community access to creators for $4.99 per month. Other announcements include the testing of new groups feature, safety mode, and company growth goals that was all announced. But it's not totally clear exactly how this is going to work. Here's a little screenshot of them talking about it, and I'll show you some of these screenshots. But basically, um, you know, you, you, you kind of, oh, that's lovely. You kind of sign up and, uh, and you get this group of people, kind of like a Patreon thing. And it's a way for you to make some money, but you don't get like $5 per tweet. You don't get the $5 exactly per month, but it looks a lot like groups is what people are saying. So that's been the big news for, for today in the tech space. Uh, and uh, there's an article that I also found by Weston Blassie that's your name, dude. Uh, saying that Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey uh, recently said the company's considering implementing subscriptions. Well, they're saying, yes, it's out, but they need to do a lot more with subscriptions. In fact, they need to go all in with subscriptions. And I think that that's really interesting. Would you pay for Twitter? That's my question. Would you pay for Twitter? If the only way that you could access someone's tweets was if you paid, would you do it? Is it that important? What do you think the results of this are going to be? Well, I actually did a couple polls over the last couple of days. And uh, I, they're not related to this. They're just related to Twitter in general. Because recently, uh, remember all this Texas insanity stuff? Of course you do. Well, in the process of that, I was reading a lot of tweets from a lot of different people who were providing a ton of different uh, perspectives, angles, and different information about what was going on. Of course, there was the renewable issue where people were saying, well, the, you know, it's the renewables fault. It's because solar and wind turbines don't work. And there are other people who are saying, actually, those are the only things that did work. So lots of different opinions. And the way that I earmark those for myself to read later or talk to you guys about on the show is to, I guess, for lack of a better term, like the tweet. Now, we used to have stars. Twitter used to have stars. Remember, and they changed it to hearts so that you could like things instead of just 
Uh, you could heart them, I guess. I shouldn't be calling it a like. That's a Facebook thing, but you could heart them. Hearting, hearting something to me implies that you like it or even that you love it. Well, I don't love those tweets. I just wanted to remember them. In fact, in many cases, I disagreed with them. And that was the reason that I wanted to remember them or that I wanted to come back to look at them later or talk about them. It's not that I like them, it's that I dislike them. But I actually got a number of direct messages from people when I did this saying, uh, dude, I think I'm going to have to uh, unfollow you uh, because, uh, you know, you liked this tweet from this like hardcore uh, right uh, Republican dude. And if that's what kind of stuff you like, I can't be in your audience anymore. Multiple people said that to me. I didn't agree with those tweets. I just wanted to remember them. And that's pretty interesting because that's what I've always done. Liking something or hearting it to me doesn't imply anything other than that was a tweet I wanted to remember, but I don't know why someone else might like it. So I asked, I said, I took a little poll and I said, is liking a tweet an indication of an agreement or support? 71% said yes. 29% said no. How interesting is that? I, I am shocked by that. Shocked by that because that is not what I thought y'all were going to say. I don't like or heart tweets because I like them. I heart them to remember them for later. And certainly me hearting a tweet is not endorsing what it's saying or endorsing the person who tweeted it. But 71% of you think it is. Only 29% of you agree with me. What does that mean? That means I can no longer heart a tweet unless I agree with it, because 71% of you will think that I'm agreeing with it, even when I'm not. Isn't that stupid in a way? Well, those 71% of people aren't stupid, uh, I don't think. I think they just think about it differently. Now, if you go back to starring it, well, so now Instagram has solved this problem in a, in a different way. They have hearts, but they also have uh, a way to save. You can, you can kind of bookmark or save an Instagram post. And when you do that, no one else can see that you've saved it except you. So what they kind of did is they kind of created this division. A heart is a way for you to tell the person who made the post that you liked it. And a bookmark is a way for you to save it for later. Simple, genius. Twitter could use something like that too. Because I think there are a lot of people, especially in journalism, and I, I feel like I'm a journalist at heart, uh, that want to bookmark a tweet for whatever purpose, whether they agree with it or not, and maybe they don't like it, and maybe they don't want that to be public. In fact, I would love it if I had that option on Twitter. So will they ever add that? No, I don't think so. Now, I did do another poll. I said, does following someone imply that you endorse or agree with that person's opinions. And look at the results for this if you are uh, lucky enough to be watching the yeah, video and not just listening to the podcast. 570 votes. 9.6% say yes, but 90.4% say nope. Following someone does not imply that you endorse or agree that with that person's opinions. But think about this compared to the last poll that I'd ran and the results of that one. So I can follow someone and 90% of y'all will think that because I'm following that one, 
that that doesn't imply that I agree with them at all, right? So I could follow somebody who's known to be a horrible person. I don't know who that would be. I'm just making this up. And you won't think that I like the person because I follow them. Or maybe I could follow somebody with a different political views than I have, which is everyone because I have my own political views and don't agree with anyone, as I've explained. And you won't think that I follow that person's political views or even necessarily agree with them. Following that person, not liking a single tweet, but actually following that person. That somehow is less of an indication to you, or most of you, 70 some percent of you, than following them. So if I follow the person, maybe I hate them. But if I, if I heart a tweet, oh, then I'm endorsing what they're saying. My next poll is going to be about retweeting. Uh, and I'm going to be doing that one after the show today because that one's even more curious to me. If I retweet something, does that automatically imply that I agree with it? Or might I be retweeting it because I absolutely don't agree with it and I'm trying to show my audience how absurd it is? Is that valid? Is that not the way you do it? It's really interesting. Now, I also got a whole lot of responses to this. People who said, yeah, I answered your poll, but I actually have these other thoughts about it. But it's fascinating to me because I'll tell you from my standpoint, and again, what I think doesn't really matter. It's what the majority of people who follow me think. And, and that's actually has to, unfortunately, has to determine how I use Twitter. But I can follow somebody that I disagree with. That's fine. But I can't heart one of their tweets because then I'm endorsing the tweet. And retweeting, I suspect, will go along the same lines. If I retweet it, I'm not only like it and endorse it, but I'm trying to push that message as well. And I've done things like that where people have, you know, criticized me on a show or said something bad about Fireside.fm, the original podcast uh, hosting and analytics platform, Fireside.fm, not any other Fireside. And, you know, I might retweet it in an effort to kind of say, look how dumb this comment is, not to endorse it. And that's, I think, where the quote tweet needs to be used, right? If you quote tweet it, you're going to have to then preface it by saying, I can't believe someone actually thinks this, or can you believe what someone said to me today? And then you can retweet it. But if you just retweet it without that explanation, well, I think you're asking for trouble. Uh, Dan Carson says, uh, I believe Twitter has bookmarks. What about Twitter's bookmark function? I don't see that in an obvious place, but Dan Carson says, if you click the share icon on a tweet, there's an option to bookmark. You know, that depends on the client that you're using. Um, if you're using a third-party client, such as Twitterific or, uh, or TweetBot, you don't see the bookmarks. You might only see those on the website. I'm talking about a universal feature that is going to be in every app that doesn't isn't buried in a menu and doesn't require multiple clicks. But that's good. So thank you to Dan Carson and uh, Robert Curry for pointing that out. But that's not good enough. It needs to be as prominent as the heart for me, in my opinion. It sure is on Instagram. So yes, there might be a hidden bookmark feature under the share, but and I'm going I'm to look at that right now. Uh, Add tweet to bookmarks. Okay. You can see how many people know about that feature. I don't, but now I do. I still don't think I'm going to use it that much. So anyway, we shall see. 
we shall see. So let's move on to the next story because there's a bunch more I want to cover for you. But thanks, guys. Pentagon is branding Russia existential threat as Joe Biden condemns nation's recklessness. <laughs> so basically, a top Pentagon commander came out and warned everybody, I guess, that Russia remains an existential threat to the United States and its NATO allies as President Joe Biden looks to confront Moscow on issues he and his Democratic allies believe were ignored under former President Donald Trump. So, um, yeah, basically what they're saying is Russia's still bad. And y'all kind of forgot that Russia was bad, but they don't say why it's bad. They just say that it is bad. So uh, that's actually the only political news. It's amazing. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Since Donald Trump left office, there's not that much to talk about on the political front. I mean, there is if you're really into politics, but it got kind of boring, didn't it? It got kind of boring. Well, that's all right. Oh, man. We need boring a little bit. Oh, it is time for our COVID update. Excuse me. I'm in need of medical attention. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Uh, going maskless is a key factor in COVID-19 outbreaks at gyms, studies say. So wait a minute. Let's go over this again. Does that look clean to you? If COVID is transmitted from breathing through your nose and mouth and you get it from breathing through your nose and mouth and you wear something that traps some or maybe most in some cases of those particles that are coming out and then the other person who's breathing in also has something blocking many, maybe even most of those particles that they're breathing in. Do you think that that might reduce? Let's just walk through. Let me walk through it again. If if a mask reduces the number of particles that a contagious person is exhaling and a mask reduces the number of infectious particles that an, a healthy person is inhaling, do you think that that would potentially stop the spread? Do you think? Is there a chance? So you would think that you would do that, right? So... They've actually done a study on this because people in the gyms apparently don't wear them. I built my own home gym because of COVID. I have the whole setup, everything I need in a gym. I've got a rack. I've got, I I mean, it's it's all there. Um, I didn't want to do that, but I've done it because of this. Well, listen, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around how, who's surprised by this? How is this not just logic? How is this not obvious? Wearing masks and other safety precautions are key to stop the spread of COVID-19 during indoor group exercise, according to two new reports published in the U.S. Center, by the U.S. Centers for Disease and Prevention. The two studies published Wednesday linked COVID-19 outbreaks over the summer to exercise facilities in Chicago and Honolulu. In the Chicago report, 60% of people who attended in-person fitness classes at one facility between August 24th and September 1st tested positive for COVID-19. Another 7% of attendees reported symptoms consistent with the disease. just means they didn't get tested. So we're really looking at 70%. (laughs) 70% of people who went to in-person fitness classes got COVID-19. What a surprise. What a surprise. In Honolulu, 21 cases were linked to a fitness instructor who tested positive. About two days before experiencing symptoms, the fitness instructor led a yoga class for 27 people while wearing a mask. There were no reported cases among these participants. A few hours before symptom onset, the same instructor led a stationary cycling class for 10 people, none of whom wore a mask. 
All participants later tested positive for COVID-19, including a second fitness instructor linked to additional cases. So if you're on the fence about do masks work or not, and if you hear this kind of thing and you're still on the fence about do masks work or not, it sounds like they might. And wearing one isn't really that bad. You kind of get used to it. And of course, we don't want to wear them, but you're going to a gym. And I don't know if y'all exercise or not. I do. And you know what happens when you exercise? You breathe faster. You breathe harder. More air comes in and out of your mouth and your nose. And the other people next to you are also exercising. So they're breathing, breathing harder and they're breathing faster. And maybe breathing harder and faster too. So it just makes sense to wear one if you're really going to do something like that. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Robert Curry also says about the bookmark thing, terrible label, share suggests public. Bookmark is a private function, not discoverable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Andy says, isn't there some... Andy, I need you to DM me on Twitter. I have a question for you. Okay, so so DM me on, on Twitter. Question. Okay, next story is also about COVID. It's just a quick article in AP explaining how would COVID vaccine makers adapt to variants. And basically... Uh, because we know that many viruses, including COVID-19, mutate slightly as it spreads. That's why we have these new variants that come out. Uh, you know, it says that uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are made with this technology uh, that affects, uh, it's called mRNA, lowercase m, capital RNA. Um, they use a piece of genetic code for the spike protein that coats the coronavirus, and it teaches your immune system to recognize it and fight it when it's the real thing. So if a variant with a mutated spike shows up, then the original vaccine wouldn't be able to recognize that, which means your body wouldn't necessarily be able to recognize it. All they need to do is swap out that piece of genetic code for a better match if they choose to do that. So apparently these vaccines are easy to update, very different from the way that like a flu vaccine works where they're actually introducing dead or deactivated virus into the vaccine. So apparently this won't be a big deal if they need to do that. Now, speaking of the flu, flu has disappeared in the United States. It's disappeared. Yeah. Medic! Yeah. Ponderous, man. Um, Ponderous. February is usually the peak of the flu season with doctors, offices, and hospitals packed with suffering patients, but not this year. Flu has virtually disappeared from the U.S. with reports coming in at far lower levels than anything seen in decades. Experts say that measures put in place to fend off the coronavirus, mask wearing, social distancing, and virtual schooling were a big factor in preventing a twindemic of flu and COVID-19. Um, let's just talk about this. Well, here's, here's one more uh, fact. There is a... Uh, there is a surveillance system that's 25 years old that tracks this kind of thing. And they say this is the lowest flu season we've had on record in more than 25 years. Um, you know, they often blame the flu for deaths. Um, and I've heard other people say this, and I don't just want to echo what they say, but I want you to, to think about this for a minute. There are many, many people who are dying from COVID. Many. Many, as you see in the news every day. And I think if you were to ask people around you, do you know anyone that's had COVID? Almost everyone's going to say, yes, I know someone who has COVID. If you ask them, do you know anyone who's died from COVID? I think a, a decent percentage of people are going to say, yes, or I know someone who was hospitalized for it and maybe didn't die. Um, 
but it's serious and people know that. If you were to ask, do you know anyone? And again, I'm, I'm echoing what some people have said on YouTube and I don't want to do that too much, but it's a good question for you to think about. Do you personally know anyone who has died from the flu? I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying it's an interesting thing to ask yourself. I often wonder how bad the flu can really get. I had it really bad uh, and it was really horrible just a year or so ago. Um, to know that that thing is gone or potentially gone is great. My real question is how long before it comes back? If the flu is essentially gone and no one has it and no one ha has a case of it anywhere, how long before it becomes a problem again? You know, how do we get, is it back in full next year or is it gone? Costco is going to raise the minimum wage to $16 an hour. That's pretty cool. Uh, they raised it to $15 an hour in 2019, but more than half of Costco's hourly workers in the U.S. are paid above $25 already, uh, which is great. They have about 180,000 U.S. workers. And uh, uh, Jelinek, Jelinek, we gotta, we gotta, we're going to have to do that, name, uh, said that, um, he says, I want to note this isn't altruism. At Costco, we know that paying employees good wages makes sense for our business and constitutes a significant competitive advantage for us. It helps us in the long run by minimizing turnover and maximizing employee productivity. And that's something that people in big companies like that never seem to understand. They say, well, well let's hire these employees and workers as cheaply as we possibly can and pay them as little as possible. And if they leave, it's no big deal because we didn't invest anything in them. Why doesn't that make sense? Well, of course, as the owner of a company, you want to have your employees invested in you so that they don't leave, so that they don't want to leave, so that they have no reason to leave. Most people leave their jobs for one of two reasons. In my own personal experience, talking to friends and doing the quit show for so many years, people leave because they feel like they can't advance in their career. They're not challenged. They're not learning. They're bored, that kind of thing. Um, or because they're not making enough money and they feel like they, or they know that they can't get any more there. Those are the two main reasons. There's often a third, which is maybe like a hostile or negative work environment. Uh, so those are really the main three reasons. Well, you can probably eliminate the first two by paying people enough and giving them opportunity for growth. Costco does that. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Way the future. Tiger Woods will not face charges in the rollover crash that I told you guys about yesterday. He's recovering after surgery. Here's a picture of him before the accident maybe not right before, but uh, there was concern that uh, he would be facing reckless driving charges in the rollover accident. He's not going to be facing those. Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, did I say that right? Told reporters on Wednesday that the department has ruled the single vehicle crash an accident, although a traffic investigation is ongoing. Reckless driving charge is a misdemeanor, and they say that that has a lot of elements to it, but this is purely an accident. Um, they said he could receive a citation, but those are just infractions. So, you know, maybe he was speeding or he might get a speeding ticket, but not, not reckless driving. They're not charging him with that. Uh, there's another article here that says that, um, uh, we should be grateful that Tiger Woods is alive, that his kids haven't lost their dad. This is by Rory McElroy. That's your who name. Who gave dude. that quote. Um, but you know, what does this mean for Tiger's career? Will he be able to play again? How will he play again? You know, you, you do need both legs to have a really good golf swing. Uh, this is definitely, with all the back issues and other things that he's gone through, 
another big hurdle for him to see, you know, if he comes back from it. Uh, let me just check in with your uh, messages here. Uh, Brian says Costco has been pretty good for workers in many ways compared to others, of course. Yep. Um, and uh, <laughs> some Lebowski references happening in there. Uh, Amazon insiders have sounded an alarm over security, saying that millions of people's of data, millions of people's data is at risk. Or do you say data? Do you say data or do you say data? Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, it says here's here's again. Listen to the listen to the kind of writing here. Listen to the kind of writing that you got. Uh, your order history, your credit card information, even your intimate health data. Amazon is amassing an empire of data as the online retailer ventures into even more areas of our lives. Cue the evil music. But the company's efforts to protect that information are inadequate, according to insiders who warn the company's security shortfalls expose users' information to potential breaches, theft, and exploitation. Of course it does. And Amazon knows everything about you. They know everything. That's why when you see the, you, you go and look at, you know, vitamin C on Amazon, and then you're browsing the web and a little Amazon ad comes up and it shows you vitamin C. Of course, of course, they know everything. Then now they know that website that you visited too. And they know all your health information. If you've ever bought anything from them, they also know pretty much everything about you in general, uh, based on your browsing habits and what you put in your cart and what you purchase and your different addresses and on and on and on and on. And apparently, according to these people, uh, they're not doing a very good job of keeping it private, which is, of course, bad. Um, here's a quote. Imagine if a company the size of Amazon had a breach. The issue is millions of people's personal identifiable information is at risk. This is the first former U.S.-based information security employee. Uh, they don't identify the name of that person. But, um, you know, Amazon spokespeople say that security uh, is a longstanding top priority. And here's the quote from them. These inaccurate, unsubstantiated, and dated claims don't reflect our commitment to keeping personal information safe. Amazon has comprehensive, long-established privacy and security policies, procedures, and technologies in place. We regularly audit our service to ensure compliance and have zero tolerance for employees at all levels who do not follow our policies. So what do you think about that? Does it bother you how much Amazon knows about you, every purchase you've made, where you've lived, how you shop, where you shop, other websites that you visit. And what are they doing with that information? What are they doing with it? Are they sharing it? They could. They probably are. Oh, here's some cool news. This was really, really, really cool. I was very excited to hear this. We're going to have to have a little cheer. Frasier and Rugrats are coming back to TV. Pretty cool, right? I was too old to enjoy Rugrats. I, uh, that, that missed me by a couple of years. but. Kelsey Grammer is coming back as Frasier. Isn't that crazy? So that's the one I'm going to talk about. He says, I gleefully anticipate sharing the next chapter in the continuing journey of Dr. Frasier Crane. There's no confirmation if the other members of the original cast will return, but come on. How could they not? How could you not have Niles on the show? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think Roz should come back. I think they should all come back. There is no uh, date exactly. Um, for when this will be coming out, but it's going to be pretty soon. Did you know that Frasier remains one of the United States' most successful uh, sitcoms of all time? It ran for 11 seasons between 93 and 2004. It won 37 Emmy Awards, including five for Best Comedy Series. 
And uh, here's the quote from David Stapuff. Stapp That's your name, dude. There has long been a call from fans for its return, and that call is now answered. But again, no, no, no dates for that. Um, of course, if you watched Cheers, you know that Fraser Crane's character began on Cheers and then spun off to its own show, which I think was even more successful. Um, now, uh, the actor who played his father, John Mahoney, did pass away in 2018, so certainly he won't be coming back. I wonder if they'll still have his chair. Um, Rugrats, y'all know about Rugrats. That's also coming back. That ran for nine seasons. So that'll be really fun. Um, now, the next Spider-Man movie finally has a title. It's going to be called No Way Home. I'm disappointed that they're continuing with that theme. Uh, I didn't like it in the beginning. Of course, you had uh, you know, homecoming and all that. Eh, it's fine. I don't think it's necessary. I think it it's too cutesy sounding for my taste. And now they're just playing off of it. But um, uh, Tom Holland came out with his own fake titles uh, for the film as a joke. Spider-Man Phone Home, Spider-Man Home Slice, and Spider-Man Home Wrecker. But it's going to be called No Way Home. It's got um, Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be in it. And it's supposed to have a multi, the rumor is that it's going to be all about the multiverse. So it's going to have different generations of Spider-Man films. It might get, uh, what we already know, Alfred Molina is going to come back to play Doc Ock in it. Um, we've heard that, you know, Jamie Foxx is going to be back to play Electro. Well, what else? Um, does that mean Andrew Garfield comes back? Does that mean... Um, Toby Maguire comes back. They have to do it. They have to do it. That would be amazing. They have to. Uh, speaking of movies and stuff, Paramount Plus is going to cost five bucks per month with ads or 10 bucks without. This is really weird. Um, but there's going to be some content on there like a Halo series and Beavis and Butthead is coming. And they're going to charge five bucks if you still watch ads. And I guess Hulu kind of does this. I thought the whole point of this was to pay so you didn't have to have ads. How long is it going to take before there's ads on every service, even Netflix and all the other ones that you pay for? I hope not, but it looks like it's going that way. Speaking of watching stuff on TV, Google TV is a new thing. Have you heard about Google TV? Well, if if you have a recent smart TV, there's a good chance that it's running Android, a version of Android. I, I hate to say this, but mine does at home. It's Android. Well, Google TV is, is a newer thing. It kind of replaces Android for, for TVs. And uh, it also has a basic mode that's going to strip smart features and apps from TVs. So here's a, I love I love when they do this kind of thing. They have um, an image here on the left the showing you and you can mind. slide. See, when you slide it, it changes. Isn't that cool? I love that. But basically, the, the regular Google TV sounds a lot like the Android uh, setup that exists right now where... You know, you get your streaming apps, you get personalized recommendations, you get a Google Assistant and all of that stuff. But if you set it up in basic mode, which I would recommend every single living human do, then you're just going to get live TV and you get an external device plugged into it. You do. Because you know what? Google, why is Google doing this? I'll tell you why. You already know what I'm going to say. The reason that Google does this is so that they can know what you're doing. They want to know what you're watching, when you're watching, how you're watching, for how long, and all of that because they want your data because you are the product that Google is selling to everyone else. Nerf, 
has come out with Hyper. This is what they're calling a next generation high capacity blaster with the fastest reload ever. Look at this thing. First of all, it looks like he's holding it backwards in a way. But look at that. It looks like it looks like it's almost like um any of y'all ever had like a BB rifle when you were a kid, a BB gun, where you just pour the ammo in? Well, it looks like that's the same way that the hyper works. Uh, and there's big and small versions of it. And uh, the it starts at $30. It's called the uh, Nerf Hyper Rush 40. It's a 40-round pistol, single-shot spring action. You pull back the entire slide and then fire once. Sounds like a boring drag to me. Then there is the uh, $40 Hyper Siege 50. Holds 50 rounds. It's a pump action shotgun design that features slam fire. You hold down the trigger and it'll fire as fast as you pump. But what you really want is the flagship $70 Hyper Mach 100. This is a fully automatic SMG design. It takes D batteries and spits out foam balls from its 100 round hopper. And that is the one that you need. Uh... Scott says, I can't wait to clean up the Nerf buckshot after my kids lose interest 10 minutes later. Um, and uh, uh, Jared Miller says, I actually really like the Google TV app. It's convenient to search all my streaming services in one place. Admittedly, I'm already a committed Android user. You're talking about the app. This isn't the app. This is a operating system that will run on a new smart TV. Sorry if I was not clear about that. My final story, Mr. Potato Head goes gender neutral. So it's no longer going to be called Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head or whatever. It's just called Guess. You want to guess? It's just called Potato Head. Yeah. Um, that's happening this year. The changes on boxes. And uh, the quote is, many toy makers have been updating their classic brands in recent years, hoping to relate to kids today and to reflect more modern families. It's a potato, said Ali Mirzajewski, editor-in-chief at toy review site Toy Insider. But kids like to see themselves in the toys they are playing with. Barbie, for example, has shed its blonde image and now comes in multiple skin tones and body shapes. Tom is a tank engine, added more girl characters, and American Girl is now selling a boy doll. As part of the rebranding, Hasbro will release a new Potato Head playset that will let kids create their own type of families, including two moms or two dads. The Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters will live on in some form, Hasbro said, but didn't provide the details. So by dropping the Mr. from its name, they're hoping that uh, other companies won't assign gender to its toys as well. This sets a new standard. And uh, this Mr. Potato Head goes all the way back to 1952 when, uh, believe it or not, there was no plastic potato in it. You poked these things into a real potato. You all knew that, right? The original Mr. Potato Head, you took your own potato and the, the kit was just eyes and mouth and arms and you put them into your own potato. Did you know that? That's, that was real. That was real. And then eventually they added the plastic potato, I guess, because they realized that that was strange. Strange thing to do. So um, I think this is pretty cool. I think it's interesting. You just go and buy a potato head. Now you can make your own families however you want to make them. Okay. Well, that's all I've got for you guys today. If you want to send me links... Uh, or notes or thoughts, you can do that. And you can also follow me everywhere at Dan Benjamin. That's on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and everywhere else at Dan Benjamin is the place to go. And uh, I would love it when you guys send me news and links and stuff like that. It's uh, it's really appreciated. So keep those coming in. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. So don't forget, smash the like button. Even if you already subscribed, smash the like. 
and subscribe up here and click the little bell so you get an alert when I go on the air. And of course, support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Every dollar helps. Remember how a few weeks ago I told you that I'm stressed out and worried about money and all the time? Uh, and you can help me by giving me even as little as a dollar a month, although $5 is really great. I think it's worth, because because look, I've been recording here about 40 minutes. That's about how long each show is. I call it an hour. It's, you know, it's not quite an hour. But you're getting, you know, over four hours, sometimes five hours of content here every week, right here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all year. It's got to be worth less than the cost of a Starbucks latte, don't you think? Are you saying I'm not worth that? You're saying this show isn't worth it? Well, that's not very nice. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks for tuning in, and I will be back right here tomorrow. Have a good one, guys.